<clears throat> so beginning beginnings things are always have their uh, slightly edgy or uncertain feeling about it where do you begin where do things begin does anything ever begin <laughs> ask yourself that question or is everything just you know part of an ongoing wave of processes so to talk about a beginning is really a, a bit of a brief or, or a slight distortion of the of reality but conventionally speaking here we are the session begins or we're coming to the beginning of it <coughs> and uh, <coughs> this session is called holistic awareness I looked in the brochure and found out what I'm supposed to be teaching which is great thing about brochures because <laughs> uh, this is something I probably cooked up a year or so ago when they first invited me and I'd forgotten what it was about but uh, yeah. it's one way of uh, present- packaging something presenting something yeah. holistic yeah. holistic means it's not linear it's everything encompasses everything yeah, holistic it's a sort of all embracing quality potentially all embracing and awareness ability to receive impressions to assess impressions to be with what happens and isn't this really what our life is about? We don't have just one thing going on. We're generally in the midst of a whole range of factors, personal, domestic, bodily, emotional, you know, things that are going on, things we, things we plan to do and things that are happening to us, things that about our internal, you could say our internal life and our external situation. Things about our relationships with others, things about our personal health, our jobs, perspectives, cares and concerns about other people. It's a, it's a whole, it's not one thing, is it? So it's a mandala, it's a collection of many pieces, you could say. And yet somehow all the time we're trying to hold it as a unity, something that is balanced. It's quite difficult. A lot of the time we find ourselves intensely focused on our work and maybe our health goes slips off the agenda or intensely focused on our what we call our spiritual life or internal development and we may lose touch with our, our relationships with others or maybe we may manage to get two or three pieces together but uh, you know, our, lo- our job doesn't quite fit into that and you get that in and then your health goes <laughs> so it's like trying to get this band of of factors to operate together to get them together and in some ways we're always the mind is always scanning the whole of this uh, conundrum uh, how is this all going to fit together I'm trying to find a balance that's what it does that's why the mind is so active all the time isn't it scanning, assessing, planning you know receiving impressions, coming up with impulses, following orders, instructions, and so on. So this isn't just because of events, this is because of the way it is. It's what the mind is about. It's supposed to be that way. 
we meditate, it can be that that, that process of scanning becomes quite stabilized with just uh, with things are coming into harmony. So we're able to, to create a kind of like a holding circle, you know, which occasionally there's things coming up, shifting, but we really sort of keep things held together, holding pattern for everything, letting it settle, calm down and come into some unity, which we call samadhi, when the mental factors, the emotional factors and the bodily factors are running at the same rhythm. They're in synchronicity. So you get this lovely experience of a deep unity and depth and stillness. This is what can happen in meditation. So even when it's still and seemingly one-pointed, it's still holistic. It's still, you know, picking up body energy, heart energy, mental energy, you'd say. Holistic. So where do you start with something that's holistic? Where, do you, where does a sphere begin? Where's the beginning of a circle? Well... You know, wherever you begin, you find yourself leaving something out. But at the beginning of things, we often start with uh, what's the structure? Looking at, you know, we come and we say, well, what's the scene here? What's the routines? What's the form? What's the, you know, people checking the notice board? When do I get up? Where's the food? When do I get, you know, what's the, what's the rules? That's the first thing we perhaps check in with. We may have all kinds of inner or personal interests and concerns and values, but we first of all come when we come to this place. We first of all check in with the structure. Yeah. So structure is perhaps where where we begin, recognizing that of course there's a lot more to it than structure. But today, perhaps this evening, we'll talk a little bit about structure. Uh, hmm. So this is something that means that from being just uh, individuals, we also begin to recognize we're part of a, of a larger group. And all of us do that. We both recognize ourselves as individuals and we also want to be with other people, one person, two people, whatever it is. And we have that capacity to do so. Mm. Yeah. And but in this particular structure, this group form, it's a group form that emphasizes something universal, universality. So obviously when people get together, if we're going to a dinner party, for example, then you want to talk to this person, how she is, and how you're getting on with so-and-so, and him and what he's doing, we're getting to everybody individually. And if you go to a dinner party of six people, you can manage it. Imagine a dinner party of 60 people. Quite and quite how everybody is, it would be a burnout, wouldn't it? <laughs> so when we come to this situation, we go to something where it's much more universal rather than the specific individuals. So relating to the universality, we're looking for a form, a structure that gives us a sense of universality. And what's universal? Well, we might say we all experience some sense of incompleteness, out of alignment, aspirations. We experience an inclination to move from a, a state of affairs which is not completed or not satisfied or not restful or not fulfilled to something that's more that way. 
In other words, this is, you could say, the basic uh, noble truths of Buddhism, dukkha, the incomplete, the unresolved. This is where we come in and we look into the resolved or the ending of that, how that passes, how we come to somewhere we feel more harmonious, completed. Yeah, so this is a universal. We might other universals which become our guidelines, the precept universals, which means that uh, two, we don't uh, non-abuse. We don't take the life of other breathing, living creatures. We refrain from taking that which is not given. We refrain from any abusive speech. And in this, we come to the, to the sense of for my welfare and for the welfare of others. So it opens in, into a more holistic paradigm where we're, we're seeing our own dilemmas, our own aspirations, our own values, mirrored, echoed, resonated by the group, and it strengthens us. Because it's not just something that I'm holding myself, we're all holding it. Everybody here will experience and does experience some sense of suffering, physical, psychological, emotional, whatever. Some feeling things not being right. You know, everybody experiences that, will experience that. Everything, everyone will feel something's not quite right in themselves or in others or whatever. But instead of thinking, oh, this is me, you know, and if only I wasn't this way, uh, or it's, if he wasn't like that, it would be all right. Or if this didn't happen, then it would be all right. We say, no, no, if you go to the universal, it's always like this. <laughs> you know? And then rather than kind of going into the details of that and trying to make it all right, say, what's it like to, to just hold that, that sense of the incomplete and stop pushing and pulling and struggling and, and quarreling with that, stressing with that? Can we find a place where it's something in us and relax and embrace it. We move from a, uh, that kind of wanting paradigm to a, we might say something like a love paradigm, ability to just give ourselves, to release something in ourselves, to open, to widen, to uh, fully be with. And finding in that this is actually makes me feel more calm, rested. I suddenly am made aware that I have the resources the capacity to cope with, to be with, to you know, to embrace that which doesn't attract me or interest me, that which is sometimes difficult. So this can be this opening, this widening experience. That's the universal. And of course the point of it is that it's not denying our individuality because we all have our own specific bits of why I'm suffering, you know, why I, why it's not right now for me. Could be my body, could be this problem in my mind, it could be something that's happening in my life. It's because I'm too old or too young, too small or too big, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, the personal specific, and yet we're holding that because that gives us the very specific point to to focus on, and yet you have the awareness that something like this is, is true for everyone all the time. So instead of holding that as something that's so me and mine, we say this is, this is the particular specific bit that's arising now in this 
paradigm of the noble truths dukkha unsatisfactoriness and then that possibility of it unfolding into a sense of uh, release release from that so we have a structure like this to do to do that mm-hmm. it means we get up in the morning and I don't always feel like doing that mm-hmm. and then you stop eating at a certain time I don't really see the point of that um, you know but it, it keeps things very clean very simple very uh, the way it is like that it's like this and we're learning to relinquish a lot of our own personal angles on things to just adapt to to a group norm this can be very strengthening if you handle it the right way you must understand nothing there's no ultimate law about any of this there's no ultimate truth it's a relative conventional thing to to practice with just as is a practice with something where you know instead of having it the way that I would feel like it right now you know, which is specific and individual I go to something more universal or just do it this way simpler, clear, cleaner that way other particular pieces you can cultivate out of that the sense of uh, arousing energy you know and also relinquishment so arousing energy to, to arrive at things to get up for things to be here to put effort and they're also developing that sense of the ability to relinquish to put aside say the evening meal <coughs> put aside conversation put aside emails put aside the whole of the internet stuff put aside reading if you can do that but certainly at least put aside your mobile phones drop them in a somewhere safe depository them things because they leap out at you (laughs) put it you know away because it's going to draw you out isn't it that's what they're about and then that when we do that there's that sense of well you know what's going on I should be in touch with and that kind of quavering feeling Uh, this is a bit of practice this is a bit this is a bit of experiencing that sense of not quite right or it wasn't the way I was before and rather than how do I react to that how do I fill it up again how do I let that sense of not having what I want or not having what I'm used to or familiar with fill with something else awareness, presence values reflectiveness contemplation loving kindness determination you name it It it's all got room to move in then spiritual faculties then have room to come in and occupy the space that we created by limiting our social functions our interpersonal functions um, our activities and so forth there's suddenly more room 
there to, for these other qualities to come up into focus. So structure, structure is there to create uh, a certain template for practice. So just moving through the day, following structure, uh, feeling the places where you know we 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 have to rise up, feeling the places we have to relinquish and let go, and seeing what can come up with that, comes up with that. It's asking you or asking your your awareness to fill up, to come in, to fill up, to carry the places where normally we're carried by our busyness, our activities, our conversations, our whatever, our ability to switch something on and be supported by it. Actually being supported by things is not that supportive because it's like walking on crutches or having your arm in a splint. The muscles get loosened. So, you know, the best way to get support is to learn how to support yourself. And part of that is by gently putting away and determining to put away the things that we normally lean upon or find ourselves held up by. So structure, structure of the group session. Also, we might say... um, in terms of what we'd most more often uh, bear in mind or, or consider as to being our meditation practice, there are three um, domains or three areas of our experience that all participate in the holistic paradigm. And these are the body, bodily presence, the heart, the emotional, intuitive, aspirational, impulsive quality, the effective quality, the imaginative quality, the aspiration quality, with its joys and its des- despair and depression and anxiety and its love and compassion and courage and so forth. The heart, big topic. And then we have what mine call the brain or head which is due with our ability to discriminate, to define, to say this is this, to be have a rational uh, process that defines things. So we have these three uh, domains. Hmm? Brain is about organizing. You know, we say the mental capacity is about organizing, naming things, uh, assessing things heart is about feeling things not just on the level of sense contact but you might say also being affected being moved being inspired being depressed uh, the whole lot and the body is about uh, feeling grounded or not feeling grounded gives you the basic strength and energy so these three pieces are part of the holistic paradigm. Mm-hmm. When they come together, you have a, a fine balance that can come into the stillness called samadhi unification. Unification of the body, through breathing in and out, 
breath energy is available, is calmed, is steadied, supports. The heart energy is uh, contented, bright. The mental energy is clear. So you have groundedness. You have something to do with, uh, which is the bodily aspect. You have a quality of what we might call it good heart. Could be empathy. Could be um, aspiration. Good heart, and you have the clarity of the, of the discriminating faculties. You see what it is. Your mind isn't kind of falling asleep, blurring, jumping out of you know out of sync. It's with what you're with, and it's noting it. it's with it. Now, when we begin, we also need to have uh, developed struct- the structures within these. You might say the bodily structure primarily is, you might say, it's, it's almost bone, or it's felt through the bones. It's the sense of being able to have a skeleton or a framework, or we might say to sit, to sit, to walk, to stand. It's the posturing of the body. The postures of the body act as its structure, right? You know? So can you... So when you, when you sit properly or fully with your body, there's a certain sense of firmness and groundedness that comes through that. So that's what the structure does. And uh, you know, we've all got different bodies, and probably most of our bodies are out of whack in some way, and others are dodgy knee, uh, bronchial conditions, whatever, whatever, digestive problems. But we've all got these, underneath the individual qualities of each of our bodies, we have the universal qualities that our bodies provide this sense of a grounded structure. Yeah. They're the, the bit that everything hangs upon. We can all sit, we can walk, we can recline, we can stand. And there's a certain energy of presence that arises when you tune into the body just doing that, just being a structure, rather than being a physical appearance or being a particular you know, uh, health or age or anything like that, just the sense of it's holding a form. It's holding a form. And then when you tune into that, Rather than other aspects of the body, it, it, you feel this sense of fundamental strength or groundedness. This body is sitting. You know, it's a sitting body. And it's like this. It's connected to the earth. And it's the fundamental upright spinal axis that we experience. It's that which is holding us. It's not held through muscles. The muscles could contribute. It's held as an energetic holding that comes with that. When you feel, when your body feels really present and bright, so your muscles help to to facilitate that. But essentially, it's not an act of the will that's doing it. It's a sense of balance, finding the balance, and the body holds itself. Now, learning that is something. So, you know, it takes some learning, but that's the structure. You say the fundamental structuring the body is that. So we bring into that. Now, of course, the body has other things. You know, that's what you might say is the structural or the hard or the firm aspect. The body also, of course, has organs, um, flows, energy forms that arise through it. Uh, yeah, yeah, particular that. But for structure, you want to first of all focus on posture and let the other pieces come in and be held within that structure. Hmm. Now, with the heart, you have uh, similarly, you might say that 
the groundedness of the heart or the structure in the heart is around values. Now we can feel all kinds of things through it in our hearts. We can feel loved, we can feel rejected, we can feel anxious, we can feel confident, we can feel glad and gleeful, we can feel miserable. You know. We can imagine all kinds of things you know, in our hearts. We can dread all kinds of things in our hearts. We can be fond, we can feel sour. But those are all, we might say, the soft stuff of the heart. The firm groundedness of the heart is a sense that we have values. The values are something like we could probably all agree upon, you know, whatever our you know, personal emotional takes are upon things we like or dislike or feel confident or lack of confidence. The universal quality for the heart is there's value. Uh, there's things yeah, that I don't I don't do are not abuse. You know. We say we, we put aside abusive behaviour. We value things. We value honesty. We value non-violence. We value uh, truthfulness. You know, we value compassion. So you have certain values. And by referring to those, yeah, and, and you name your own values. Make them ones that are not just personal angles or preferences that they have a universal quality that human beings are valued continually. Not about a religious belief either, but just very, you know, things that all human beings, uh, whether they always keep them or not, would understand. Values are things that you don't have to be convinced of. You don't have, somebody that doesn't have to talk you into it <laughs> and make you believe it. They're there. That's what I mean about structure. It's already a given. Hmm? Now, we may lose touch of that, but when you come across a value like non-violence or non-abuse, oh yeah, that's right. You don't have to be convinced of it. You may forget it, you may lose touch with it, but when you come back to it, um, this is what it is to be human, to really be fully responsible. Hmm? You know you've lost it if you didn't do that, if you weren't with that. That's what structure is. It's, It's, you might say, the groundedness, the ground form of our, and so in the heart sense, it's this. So we come into those. This is why we take precepts. Yeah. And uh, so when you have that, then all of the, you know, whether one is joyful or anxious or feeling uh, irritated or slightly depressed or whatever, you keep referring those to the value structures of the heart, the groundedness of the body, and they begin to resolve. They begin to settle down. You don't want to use meditation to get in touch and just go into the all the confused tissues, the confused areas of life. You want to go in, first of all get in touch with what's going to benefit you so you've got something to refer to. And then you can refer the problematic to the health, to the our fundamental sanity, you might say. Otherwise, we just continually obsess and recycle the same old stuff. In terms of the uh, thinking mind, 
the structuring is the ability to, to place your attention upon something, to name something. This is this. And whether you do that verbally or almost with a, 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 just a mental action, it's that something comes into focus and it's like you hit it. Your mind hit your brain, your thinking mind goes, oh, it's that. You register. It's called vitaka. The ability to register something, to, to place the mind, to place attention so that you register what you're doing. Now, you may very well have practiced systems where you deliberately verbalize that to yourself, like, that's a thought, that's fear, that's uh, uh, doubt, you know. And then, oh yeah, and suddenly when you name it like that, you know it like that, it gives you this slight sense of disengagement with that. You're not in it anymore, you're just with it. So before you were kind of just swirling around in it, and now by naming it, it by the very act of naming, gives you a certain perspective on that. So this is a very uh, helpful uh, structure of the mind, the ability to do that. We also have another aspect of mind which is called vichara, which is the ability to sensitize to, to handle, to evaluate to us. How does this feel? What's this about? What does it do? Which is a much softer, fluid, flexible quality, which naturally is all part of the process. But you first, when you first set up something, when you first begin, you have vitaka. means, okay, just define breathing, sitting, you know, get the mind. Because if you do it the other way around, you haven't got a, a mooring post, you haven't got a reference point to refer things to, the mind will tend to just swing. It depends what you mean by this and that and the other. It feels like it could be this. It's, it's just swinging around. So the vitaka, the ability to define something, is, is the structuring of the mind. When we begin the retreat, we begin with structure. This means we start with uh, putting, perhaps putting values in. Uh, we're all sitting down, we're all coming to the same room, we're sitting, holding the bodies upright, trying to get into that, uh, feel how that is, how it's going to work. Uh, it takes time. And uh, we determine the values of the retreat together so whether it's good bad sleepy dull bright whatever we have these norms and these are we have what are called the eight precepts it's um, a form a structure that uh, has ethical but also renunciant aspects to it ethical aspects are the non non harming not taking the life of any living creature. So we determine this. And maybe this isn't a big problem, that we're going to be doing it, but if you at least remember that's what you're about, it gives you some sense of, whether I'm a computer engineer, or a grave digger, or a brain surgeon, I don't, you know, this is, this is what I'm about. This is the fundamental structure, not my job, <laughs> you know, or my career, or my whatever, uh, this is it. So it helps as a, almost a, a, a way to place the value structure at the centre of your, your hologram, your sense of self, your sense of who you are. You know, so you remember it. 
when we use it like that, then it it, it up it give, makes the mind bright. It gives the mind, the heart, a sense of clarity and strength. Using it. Second precepts to not take that which is not given. So we it helps to curb the quality of uh, covetousness, or if only I had, or well, that would be rather nice, you know, that reaching out and just oh no, it's, it's not given, it's not needed. That's the um, little phrase I use because my whole life is about really uh, not having resources in that sense, not having money, not having the ability to get things. You have to allow things to be offered and you don't always get everything that you would rather like. So because of that uh, uh, gap between uh, the, the, the desirable and the actual, then you think if only... Da, 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 you think, you know, if it isn't offered, it isn't needed. I'll fill the gap with a sense of, okay, I can let go of that. So then that gap, which could be filled with covetousness or avarice or whatever, or not fair, he did, how come I didn't get one? Oh, I fill it with a sense of, yeah, I can, I can be bigger than that, I can let go of that. And suddenly the gap is closed, and it's closed by a spiritual faculty called renunciation, letting go. So when you know you have the here the food, the tea, whatever offered at particular times, and then you just stay with that. A brahmacharya with practicing the restraint of the sexual faculties, sexual restraint. Again, this may not be a particular topic for you at this time, but it also. it means we we start to recognize each other's with our gender, our, our forms, our bodily forms in this way, just in terms of form. These are bodily forms. When you put aside the, uh, the, the sexual connotations, then you start to see bodies as bodies rather than as men, women. I mean, that isn't the only way to see them. It's helpful when you go to the lewd, which no one... Whether you're one of the ones with a pipe and two legs or your little skirt or whatever. <laughs> but, but it just takes some of that uh, pressure and that, that um, movement. You know, we try to see body's earth element, something that occupies space, or a certain lump of form. Yeah. And of course, there's, uh, and then also that, that energy that reaches out. You know, saying, well, what happens when that energy that reaches out is that wants, that needs, that wants, and it's, you know, it's never completely fulfilled? Or what happens when we don't try to fill that gap with sexual activity or even sexual thinking or fantasizing or imagining or remembering? What if you don't fill it with that? It fills with something else. Fills with uh, again renunciation. Generally, you can fill with kindness. You know, like a just the sense of uh, gen- general kindness. Now, with sexual activity, you can generally only have sexual activity with one person 
uh, time. But with loving kindness, you can do that with a hundred people. <laughs> so, you know, you gain <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> it doesn't matter their, their sexual inclination, what, whether you attracted them or not. Fourth precept, refrain, uh, re- refraining from uh, unskillful speech. And uh, there's obviously direct ta- tale-telling or telling fibs, lies, cursing, uh, harsh speech. So yeah, first of all, it's deliberate or false speech. Second aspect of it is harsh, cursing, abusive speech. Third aspect is gossiping, tale-telling. Fourth aspect of it is um, called pointless chit-chat, pabble. There's no particular meaning apart from to fill up the silence with something. Yeah. Where it, it blocks out our ability to listen. So when speech is something we do rather than listen, <laughs> it's a hindrance. It just becomes something to just get over the nervousness of there being silence rather than something that's accompanied by good, full listening. Now on retreat, we best as we can we try to put aside all speech as a practice as a you know as a rule of thumb as a rough practice as a guideline and of course there may be occasions when you you know somebody needs some help or you have to ask for something (coughs) again it's not an absolute standard it's a very good guideline we use as a structural thing and the structure doesn't cover everything but it covers things to do with form fifth precept refraining from any kind of intoxicants drugs, drink again it's pretty obvious but clear and in this retreat I'm sure it's not a problem for you but it's again very useful to to bear in mind respecting consciousness respecting awareness rather than putting things in it to either just make it cloudy, dull, make it a bit more zappy, you know, ecstasy, morphine, cocaine, you know, they have all quite interesting effects on the mind. But we're saying, you know, just respect it, respect your own awareness. If it's kind of fuzzy and cloudy, just hold it carefully. If it feels... Uh, dull, hold it carefully if it feels agitated and hyper and you really like to blot it out just hold it carefully, hold it carefully so developing filling the gap for the mental inadequacies instead of filling it with intoxicants and so forth, you fill it with skillful handling skillful relationship refraining from eating in the after uh, noon, after the midday period which is in this country at this time about one o'clock roughly speaking so we use that as a guideline um, means that the, the metabolism changes your body gets used to that and there's a sense in which the day has this uh, you put in food at a certain time and then you just let it run down and it go down so it's got a quietening effect so by the end of the by Eight o'clock, on you know the body, the energy is calmed right down. You keep eating, you get these continual cha- uh, meta- metabolic changes. It's also useful to you to form a sense restraint because quite a bit of 
uh, the way that human beings occupy themselves is just oral. You know, pick at this, have a nibble at that, have one of these, you know, pop it in. It's not really to nourish the body, it's just the sense of occupying time, filling up the gap. Well, this time we fill up the gap with a sense of renunciation, respecting, giving the body a chance to rest its digestive functions. Again, this is not an absolute rule, it's a training theme, and some of you, you know, may have health issues or whatever. This is not about some kind of mortification or something that abuses your body, but if you can give it a good chance, give it a good try, try it out, you know, you'll find hopefully that takes a little time to adjust, you'll find yourself benefit from it. Quieter, able to sleep better, um, system gets more level. Refraining from entertainments, things that we use to fill up the time. You know, so uh, surfing, surfing the net, listening to music, sounds, TV, books, magazines, shows, so forth, tiddlywinks, whatever. Uh, put it aside so that you know you, you fill up that space, that gap with reflection, careful thinking, meditation, you know, resting, exercising, you know. So you're putting some quality time into your own system rather than just filling it up with uh, other things. And the precept about um, so it's again it's a respecting respecting awareness as a paradigm get bored you notice there's the boredom there's the feeling of another day to get through gee wish something interesting would happen so you notice that you kind of put a name on that one get a felt sense of what does it feel like, grey or dreary, and this is going to go on forever, and all that the mind does when you're in that bored state. And then just coming back into your body, body's still here, bored or not, you still sit upright, breathing and out is still here. Coming back into that, beginning to be filled instead by the vitality and the suffusiveness of a calm body and a calm breath process so you're able to sustain yourself with that it's supposed to be boring actually in some ways sometimes life is just not boring enough really (laughs) 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 there's too many things to you know oh this not enough time to just, you know, look at the wall. And also just starting to weed out the negativity that sits within boredom, the sort of unwillingness, unwillingness to really be present with what's with nothing much. So boredom has a negative quality to it. And weeding that one out. Does it have to be interesting in order for me to be here? You know? Can I be just with the nut, 
aware and present with the nothing very much. Can I bring energy into my body? Can I perhaps pick up a theme of reflection you know, about mortality, about my death, about concern for others? Bring that into the mind. Reflect on enlightenment, awakening the Buddha. So there's things we can put in there. Or sometimes just directly looking at that hunger to be filled with some piece of information or interesting thing to occupy oneself with. These are renunciation themes. And uh, using uh, the uh, bedding, mattresses, couches and so forth, the sense of just resting the body, respecting the body, giving it a rest, rather than, you know, vegging out. (laughs) Where you kind of get down and... Uh, sack out for eight hours or so Uh, and again you know we do need to just rest the muscles of the body when it's doing this work for us resting the body also resting the mind from having to focus on anything just letting it gently rest so there's a particular skill in reclining and resting at the end of the day and resting during the day you know how to just, you know, just go back to real simplicity of the structuring of the body, being present with that, letting everything else pass away. And if you're doing that at night time with a mind of loving kindness, just sensing the body, the breathing, sense of the body, the breathing, sense of the body, the breathing, heart of goodwill, letting the rest go letting it go often in meditation it can be that if one's mind is coming into unification samadhi it's getting rest in that you're not asleep but because the mind isn't scurrying through all its activities it's using up considerably less energy so you don't actually need so much sleep sometimes you do need sleep so it's it's not I don't know you know find out for yourself but the the training emphasis it's not a rule it's not an absolute judgment it's just a training emphasis is looking at being limiting being sparing about the sleep you know about so we're not just lolling or using losing furnishings in that way but when it's appropriate clear with clear awareness reclining putting the body to rest, letting things pass, finishing. And then sometimes, even during the day, you can take a 15-minute nap, you know, just lying down clearly, knowing what you're doing, just taking a rest, letting the system rest. And you need to do this uh, clearly so that um, it helps the whole system to come from the more, perhaps more lively, more tumultuous experience of your daily life, there's all sorts of energetic waves and currents that are tangled up that need time to unwind and unravel and come into steadiness. So resting is, is a good practice, <laughs> a good part of assisting that transformation. I speak highly of it. <laughs> it's my last hobby. <laughs> 
because you do learn things you, know? you do learn you do see things in that if you're clear about it so these this is the precept form and the general structural form of of the retreat and structure is one part of the of the paradigm of the holistic sense as we reflect on structure we also realize there needs to be something of essence of heart of our own imaginative our own courage it's not about structure it's about aspiration it's about uh, uh, what what we can bring into this how we can fill this structure with life how we can fill it with vitality how we can make it work for us so it just doesn't become a kind of slogging through obedience experience yeah. But you start with structure, hold it. It's rather like learning how to sit. You probably get an idea sitting up straight, then after a while you think, wait a minute, shoulders, hands, oh, this works for me. You, you soften it to fit how, you know, what, support, what really supports you. So structure is only one part of it. Mm, but this is our beginning. During the retreat, um, I wish to be uh, service to offer service to the to the whole to the whole form um, to the, the group to the retreat form to to all of you to you you in your allness and uh, as best I can to to you in your individuality. So there will be times. Uh, um, for questions, times for interviews, uh, I won't won't have time to see everyone individually. But if that's a pressing need of something that you individually, something you need, um, then please ask for that. And also, just respecting uh, the situation that clearly just adding up the numbers of people, the numbers of hours and so forth, you know, how much, you know, what, what I, I want to offer, I don't want to feel I'm holding anything back, but naturally there's a limitation on that. But, uh, so just do the best, you know, do what, try to follow what's offered. If you need something more, please ask. And I'll do my best to, to provide what I can to hold, to help to advise <clears throat> but I'm looking at the possibility of having at least for all of you at least two sessions together when we can check in during this time <clears throat> so that's an outline and uh, probably enough of that for the evening so let's spend some time uh, just coming to the simplicities of our body structure want to stretch your legs an opening meditation 15 minutes or so <clears throat> just to plug in to this, situ- this uh, retreat <clears throat>
So, reminder, I imagine for many of you it's just a reminder. Coming to body as a form, the complete form of the body. Not focusing on a particular point, but the whole thing, the sense of having a body, the pressure of that, the warmth of that, the solidity of that. Sitting on the ground, sitting on the chair. And then sitting the upright. If we are sitting, we're, we're always upright. There's an upright sense with that. So you might start with just, how do you know you're sitting? How do you know you're sitting rather than lying down? You may not be sitting bolt upright, but you know you're not lying down. What's that? How does that feel? What is it that tells you that? What's the sense of upright axis, upright sense? It's probably going to be running in line with your spinal cord. It's not necessarily the physical structure that runs in line with the physical structure, but the sense of uprightness which is defining the presence felt sense of the spine sitting upright is anything here not sitting upright anything not wanting to sit upright is the head sitting upright what do you feel like if it's not sitting upright does it feel good How does it come into any particular piece, come into balance with the whole piece, the whole thing? The chest is lifted, perhaps, through the abdomen. Shoulders have to come back. As if they come forward, find yourself bending, bowed in some way the shoulders coming back they come back they can also drop the more that you switch off what you don't need, the more you bring into alignment bring the body into alignment turning off the, the muscles that you don't need to be using the more the energy becomes centred and supports the upright position. Energy, instead of being held in your hands, in your face, in your lips, in your eyes, it drains from there and it just becomes unified around the sense of upright. So check. Check if your abdomen, if your belly knows it's upright. Is it there? Is it open? Your hands, are they still ready to hold something or are they really rested? Your fingers relaxed. Smoothing down your arms, 
training down your arms, down your hands. Taking a long, slow out-breath to facilitate that gesture of emptying, letting that surplus energy, the tangled up energy smooth, smooth itself away. And letting the in-breath facilitate the rising up. Letting the in-breath do it rather than a particular act of the will, rather than trying to pull yourself together, hold yourself up, just let the in-breath fill you to make you as upright as it can be right now. You may indeed feel rather tired or woozy. Don't fight it. Learn to relax on it. Just be as upright as as your breath can make you by itself. So letting the in-breath come in, push the solar plexus, open the chest, and then soften, recline, and the out-breath. It's a massage with the breath. Is anything that will help the breath? What I would recommend is lengthening the pause between the out breath and the in breath. So if you breathe all the way out, see if you can wait a little bit before you allow the in breath to come in like a wave. Get to the end of the in breath, just pause a little bit before you let that wave go out again. And that Lengthening the pause will give the breath greater strength. But you don't pull the breath, don't drag it, but you lengthen. Lengthening the pause is just a second or two, three seconds, five seconds. Slowing it down. And it will gradually strengthen. More it strengthens, the more you're able to release your face, your eyes, your forehead, your neck, your throat. The pieces that hold you together. The pieces that tend to tighten up. figure things out to express something, to make something work. We purse our lips, we tighten our heads, we crinkle our foreheads, we focus our eyes. Now is it if it gets the breathing gets stronger, that stuff can gradually relax.
feel sleepy, formless, and then giving it a little time, just coming back to the breath, and gradually the breathing will fill up with strength the places that your will, your willpower has finally relaxed around. It's a it's a transition from holding yourself to allowing yourself to be held. Naturally in that transition it gets kind of wobbly. So if you feel a certain strengthening in your core, we might say this is a lower abdomen, like a bit of ballast there, some strength, and it's able to move up. It's not just the physical breath, it's not just the air, it's a sense of energy. As you sit steady, it builds up in your hara, your lower lower body. You know, the body can, mind can feel quite shaky and confused, but you've got this energy then the more you touch in with it it will start to move radiate suffuse the whole system the degree to which we can feel that uh, take you know the other things 
fade out or recede particularly being aware of the forehead the temples and the eyes as if you're gently smoothing across the forehead widening around the eyes the eye sockets smoothing down the temples softening if things feel very formless you can keep your eyes open gaze is towards infinity and pointing checking in the out breathing out and the arising of the in breath towards the end of this particular group form for this evening so letting your eyes come open staying centred steady widening sphere of attention staying centered within that 